God is good, amen. I wonder if you join me in, in saying good morning to our Zoomers on the count of three, all those that are watching online. So let's just say together on the count of three morning Zoomers. One, two, three. Morning Zoomers. Welcome, guys. Praise God. Welcome to you all. I've been, as I was waiting on the Lord, wondering what I should share. Um, God dropped uh, this particular subject to my heart. Uh, it's God's judgments and how he judges. You know, if what we do in church is to train and to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Amen? Isn't that what it says in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12? That it's the saints that do the work of the ministry. And so everything that happens in church is to make us stronger and to make us more vital to understand the gospel and then to be able to go out and to share that gospel. And so we preach the gospel and I I, I pray that you would just I'd be um, looking at for somebody that you could share with before the end of the year, that God would lay somebody on your heart and then you could start to pray for them and then start to minister to them. But one of the things that invariably happens when you start to uh, share the word is you get the objections and we've all come across them. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that we are reluctant to share our faith is that we don't want to look stupid because we don't have the answers. Let me set you free all right now. You know, we don't have to have all the answers. And everyone said, you know, we just need to lift up Jesus. You know, he is the answer. And so uh, I want to give you a couple of um, things that we'll look at this morning. And I'm just going to ask you to, to open our eyes as we would examine the scriptures this morning and that uh, he would lay truth upon our heart. Father, we just pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will, in all wisdom, in spiritual understanding. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We pray that you would open our hearts, that, Lord, we'd be equipped to share the gospel. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you that our task here on earth is to share the gospel, to tell others about this wonderful and this glorious salvation that we have in Jesus. Amen. And amen. I don't know about you, but I'm never going back to the world. Never. I found a treasure in the Lord that is infinitely greater than anything that the world has to offer. You know, we used to get high and that kind of thing, but I want to tell you, there's no high like the most high. Amen. When we come into the Lord's presence, um, we have a real treasure in earthen vessels. And so when we come, uh, we, we have a real message of reconciliation. And as we see the world stage, um, being set for the soon return of Christ. I believe the rapture is very, very close. I believe that it's imminent. And I believe it's much closer than most Christians believe. Can you say amen? amen. I believe we're standing right on the threshold of the Lord's coming. So uh, I, we need to be getting the, the message out. We need to be telling people about Jesus. Um, and, and inevitably, you're going to come across uh, these objections. Now, when, when we talk about God's judgment and how God judges, uh, I'm going to say something that's blatantly obvious to you, but I think the point needs to be made, uh, that I am not God, and I don't know all the ways that God will judge. But the scriptures actually give us some insights 
and give us some foundation so we know some of the things that God's going to look at when he judges. And, uh, you know, when we consider God's judgments, you know, uh, it's quite amazing when uh, Solomon was proclaiming judgments, they stood in amazement. They were awestruck by the wisdom of Solomon's judgments. God is infinitely greater. Jesus is greater than Solomon is in your presence. And so uh, we have this God that, that is really gracious, kind, and loving. Um, and the Bible gives us these insights as to how he's meant to judge. Uh, the first thing that I think we should always say is that when we talk to people is that God has done everything possible to spare mankind from judgment. That's the good news. No man needs to be judged. There is wisdom, there's grace, there's mercy for the most vile of sinners. And so it's really important that we understand that God has done everything possible to spare man from judgment. Remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God wants everyone to experience everlasting life. He doesn't want any to perish. We're going to look at that scripture in a little while, but it really shows the heart of God. You know, God is slow to child, the swift of mercy, isn't he? God is loving, he's gracious, he's kind, and he doesn't like to bring judgment uh, upon, uh, upon people. That's the heart of God. But if you look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, we're going to look at a, a number of scriptures this morning because there's the scriptures are where the answers to these questions are found. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some people count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, that means God is patient, enduring, waiting for. He doesn't say, man, you've got to snort out your life, get yourself sorted out, then you can come into my kingdom. I would have never made it in that case. God takes the broken and the rejected and the, the unwanted and he brings them into his kingdom and he begins to heal them and minister to them. He's patient. He's long-suffering. He says he's long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish. You know, sometimes we think, and, and the devil helps us to think that we can be the most vilest of sinners in the world. You know, we, we can feel beating it down and beat ourselves up so incredibly, don't we? Um, and we think, oh, God, what's the I'm just a terrible person. If you don't know your covenant and you don't know what Jesus has done, you can get very, very depressed and uh, you can really struggle. But when we start to look at this whole uh, question of, of God's judgment, there's a scripture found in Genesis 18.25. And the last, the last part of this, it says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That's the one confidence that you and I have, that when God comes to judge, that when somebody is condemned to hell, they will richly deserve to go there. And if anybody goes to heaven, they, they will deserve it because of what Jesus has done and not by our own merits. Can you say amen? So we see that, that, that the judge of the whole earth will do right. And so now I'm going to look at a couple of things that um, how God judges. In, in 1 Peter 1 verse 17, it says, Since you call upon the Father who judges each man's work impartially. So this is the first thing we need to understand about God's judgment. There's no favorites, Okay. Uh, and, you know, you can be rich or poor, black or white. God's going to judge you in exactly the same way. There's no impartiality with God. And that's important to understand because 
You know, we live in a world where, where uh, the judgments that are handed out are so warped and depraved. Uh, many people look at O.J. Simpson and think that, man, that guy, many people believe committed murder. But because he had an incredibly good legal uh, defense team, that he got away with it. Um, and so you, you sometimes get these travesties of justice where the rich get one kind of treatment and the poor get another. That's the way man judges. But when God judges us, he judges us impartially. He judges us exactly the same way. He judges us on the merits and not according to our status. And I'm very glad about that. How about you? So, you know, we see that, that God does these things. You know, there's no bribes. There's no favoritism with God. The truth is the guilty will be punished and the innocent will be set free. Hallelujah. Do you remember how uh, the Bible talks uh, about uh, Solomon and Gomorrah and, and Lot? And in Second Peter, it talks about uh, that Lot was a righteous man and he struggled, he struggled with the sin of Solomon and Gomorrah. Did you know the story how, how God brought Lot and his family out of Sodom and then rained down judgment on the wicked? And so we see that God is able to save the righteous and punish the wicked. And we know that that was just a, a, a prelude, a, a glimpse of what was going to happen uh, in, in terms of the end times. As God raptures the church, he takes us out of the world, Sodom, and brings judgment on, on the world. The world's going to get what it's always wanted, a world without God. God's going to withdraw his presence, and suddenly the Antichrist is going to stand up, and there's going to be havoc upon the face of the earth. And so God is able to redeem the righteous and, and, and save us as he saved uh, Lot. Noah is another example. Remember? Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And I want to tell you, I'm a better preacher than, than Noah, because Noah only got eight guys into the ark. <laughs> we got a few more than eight here this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, but the truth is, Noah was a righteous man. And, and yet God's judgment was coming upon a sinful, perverted world. As we look around about us and we see how, how we are plunging headlong into, into darkness, uh, it's, uh, it's absolutely frightening what's in the woods. I was watching, I was telling Di just before the service, I was watching a, a, a news item in, in America, one of the news stations, and uh, Laura Ingram on Fox News, if, if you want to know the program, and she said, look, I, I want to uh, show you this video, but it comes with a warning. So this, this video has been shown to three to 12-year-olds, three years of age to 12-year-olds. And um, they had a drag queen uh, there beginning to uh, present uh, uh, his uh, little number to these little kids. The words were so appalling, you could never, ever speak to them. And I'm thinking, this is what they're teaching Three yards, honestly, it is the most defiled and corrupt. I couldn't watch to the end. It was just, it was horrific. And these are the, this is the corruption of the innocent, the perversion of the innocent. From three years old, we are going into dark times, my friend. And I tell you, God's judgment is coming. As, as, as Wilkinson said, he said, you know, if, if God doesn't judge America, he's going to owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Now, I don't know what you think of the theology, but uh, you know, I, I really believe that, that as we are plunging headlong uh, and, and into, into darkness, 
that God's judgment is coming. And like Noah, God is able to spare the righteous. And so we've got a hope, haven't we? We've got an extra plan, and his name is? Jesus. His name is Jesus. So there'll be no travesty. So God's judgment will be done impartially. No favoritism, no bribes, only the guilty will be punished and the innocent will be set free. The other thing that the scripture tells us about God's judgment is that he judges our deeds. And we find that in Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. In the New Testament, uh, Romans chapter 2 and verse 5 says, Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgments will be revealed. Then he puts it this way, God will judge each person according to what he's done. The authorized version says the same thing, rendering each man according to his deeds. You know, God is going to hold us accountable. That's why the message of the cross is so wonderful. Because we've all done things that we are terribly ashamed of. We've all done things that, that, we, that bring guilt and condemnation to it. But there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why this glorious, this is wonderful news that we get to share with the world. That hey, God has taken our deeds, our vile, awful deeds, and the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus that we might be made for righteousness of God in Christ. Thank you, Lord. So God will judge our deeds and our actions. That's very important to understand. You know, even down to the smallest detail. Remember what Jesus said, that even a cup of cold water will not lose its reward. So, you know, you, you can be judged for small things and, and uh, it, you'll be judged even for things like a cup of water. In Matthew chapter 25 and verses 31 through 46, I won't take the time to, to read it all now. I was going to, but for the sake of time, we see God's judgment coming upon the sheep and the goat nations. And it's a picture of how God judges uh, people's deeds. Remember, in the heart of that story, uh, Jesus says uh, he separates the, the, the goats from the sheep. And he says to the sheep, you know, uh, well done, my good and faithful servants. Uh, you know, thank you uh, because uh, you, you, you fed me and you clothed me and you gave me water. He, he's speaking about the deeds that they did. And they stand there absolutely astonished. They say, Lord, when did we see you and, and visit you in prison and feed you and clothe you and do all these things? And Jesus said, what? He said, because you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. God's looking at the, at the deeds of the righteous. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to bless you. He says, at the end of that, he said, enter into, the, into your inheritance prepared before the foundation of the world. Isn't that a wonderful truth? That the things we've done for Jesus will be rewarded. Even a small thing like a cup of cold water given in his name will be rewarded. The small, the things you've forgotten about, you're still going to be rewarded because God hasn't forgotten anything. That's awesome. Then Jesus comes and he goes on and he speaks about the goats. And he says, you know, you, you didn't do this to me. You didn't feed me. You didn't tie me. They said, Lord, when? Because you didn't do it to the least of these, my brethren. You did not do it to me. So it really is a picture of how God looks at our deeds and judges our deeds. Some judgments are going to lead to rewards, and other judgments are going to lead uh, to, to punishment and damnation. And so um, he concludes, Jesus concludes that the, the, the good judgments, and he says, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do, do to the least of these, you did not do to me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to 
to eternal life. Hallelujah. There is eternal life waiting for us, folks. There is something wonderful ahead. You know, we, God's got great plans for you and I. Amen? Will, will you turn to somebody and say, God's got great plans for you? God's got great plans for you. So God will judge our deeds. He'll judge our good deeds and he'll judge our evil deeds. So we need to make sure that we are under the covenant, that we know our covenant rights, that we're trusting in Jesus and not our own good works. I'll say a little bit more about that in a little while. But the truth is, when we're talking about judgment, the truth is there are no innocent people. You know, people they, they, the world wants to argue, hey, uh, you know, uh, what about the innocent people? There are no innocent people. For all is sin and, and come short of the glory of God. So there are no good people. We, we all uh, are imperfect, selfish, weak, sinful, rebellious, spiritually unclean. We are all dead in our sins and serving of God's wrath without Jesus Christ. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one righteous. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, Ezekiel 33, 11. God does not want to punish anyone. It's only if we refuse and we stubbornly resist the grace and the gift of righteousness that God offers us that we will be judged. And God warns. He, 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 his, his heart is grieved when we are stubborn and unrepentant. Again, Ezekiel 33, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Can you repeat it? Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. So the next thing we need to understand is that God's judgments are based on truth. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 26. This is a little bit different this morning. Is that okay? Yeah. Hallelujah. I hope we're going to give, give you some answers as you go out into the world. Matthew 10, 26. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. You know, when I was first coming into the church and I used to hear that, and I didn't know that I really whether I was saved or not, that verse used to give me the heebie-jeebies. I was terrified because there were things that I had hidden that I didn't want anybody to know about. And most people didn't. And God's saying, I'm going to expose the hidden things. Well, the world, that's kind of frightening. You know, God's basis for judgment is truth. Do you remember when we back again back in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, and Abraham and Sarah had been trying to have a kid. They've been waiting like for 24 years. God had promised him the heir. And, uh, you know, if you've been waiting for 20 odd years for a miracle to happen, uh, it, you know, the, the human tendency is to get a bit skeptical. And God says to her, I'm going to visit you again at, at, this, at about the time, at this time of life. Uh, and uh, Sarah will, will have a child. And she's there at 90. And Abraham, you know, is a hundred. I can just, I, every time I see that talk about that scripture, I can just see uh, how that actually transpired. Ninety, and she's having a baby, and she's walking after after. She's fully nine months pregnant. She's walking after. Slow down, you're going way too fast. I get a call. I don't know that that was a blessing. I, Lord, you don't need to bless me like that, please. My cup is full. But you know, here she was. Um, you know, and and she said. Uh, God said, hey, you laughed. Sarah, I, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. God knows the truth. Even though Sarah denied it, 
God knows the truth. And God will expose the truth. Ananias and Sapphira uh, were exposed. Remember the New Testament, how, how uh, they, they tempted the Lord and they, they tested God and uh, God's judgment fell upon them. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we, we see that God's judgments are based on truth. There'll be no travesties of justice, no suppressed evidence. Man, that, that, that's one that gets up my nostrils, suppressed evidence. Everything will be made known. The truth will come out. I think you can only make proper judgments when you know the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Amen? We don't need to be suppressing evidence in court because it favors the criminals. Uh, again, man's justice is flawed, but God's truth will be out and he will judge us. The other thing that he talks about uh, is that he will judge even our motives. Oh, oh <laughs> that's getting a bit close to the right. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5 said, Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring it uh, to light what was hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. Wow. You know, remember when Ananias comes with his offering and, and he, he puts it at, the, at the, the, the apostles' feet? It looks good. It looks like he's done what the other, the other apostles have done. And, you know, he's looking good because he brings uh, his thing and he puts it at, at, at the apostles' feet. You know, so he appears to be doing something good. But in actual fact, Ananias and Sapphira had agreed amongst themselves to test the Lord. And they lied unto the Holy Spirit. Man, big mistake. So, so God's judgment fell on it, and uh, it was it was a very shocking thing that that happened. Okay, so Ananias' actions looked good, but they were testing God. God knew the truth; He exposed the motivation of their heart. The Bible says in Deuteronomy six sixteen that thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. Remember, this is the this is the violation uh, of that commandment in, in the New Testament, and as a result, God's judgment fell on them. The, the actions look good, but the motivation And do you mean he wanted to know what God would do if he would lie? Whether God would punish because he lied? It says that they, they, they agreed to test the Lord. We're not given any more information than that. Um, we can speculate that that's a, a possible explanation, but we need to be very careful with, with, the, with the Bibles. Um, say something specifically. We can be strong and we can stand on it. When we start to to um, into subjective interpretation, then we've got to be very careful as to how we interpret that. So hopefully, that that explains it. There's a, there's another probably even better example uh, when when Jesus was anointed, uh, his feet were, were with perfume, and uh, remember how indignant Judas got. You know, he said, "Man, why, why this waste? Why this waste? This money could have been sold, and the money that been given to the poor." Well, you know, that appears to be incredibly spiritual. You know, he's concerned about the poor. But the Bible goes on to tell us that that wasn't really his motivation. That Judas was the thief and his desire was to steal the money so that he could spend it on himself. That's why he was objecting. So his, his motives appeared good, but God was exposing uh, his real motives uh, was that he wanted to be able to uh, take the money for himself. So let's just summarize uh, what, what we looked at very quickly. God has done everything possible to prevent God's judgments, man's judgments. I think God, 
Uh, God's judgments are impartial. God's judgments are based on truth. Uh, God judges our deeds, and God judges our motives. Wow, this is getting quite difficult if you're trying to work out your own salvation. So how does God, inevitably this question will come up, how does God trust and judge those who have never heard? That's the burning issue. What about the, what about the pygmies in Africa? They, 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 they've never heard the gospel. They've never had a missionary there. How does God judge them? They, they are without excuse. They are without excuse. How they live. Amen. They've got the sun Amen. That, yes, that's part of the answer. Absolutely. But God has also given us a, a conscience. And so we'll, we'll, we'll look at that in a, in a second. Um, uh, so let's just understand what, what Romans 1.19 says. Okay. Uh, because, that, and that to your point, each man knows something about God. Romans 1.19. Since what may be known about God has been made plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood by what was made, so that men are without excuse. Amen. You know, there's a, there's a revelation of light. I want to say to you that a design proves a designer. Creation proves a creator. I remember many years ago, you heard the old story uh, about a man walking down the road and, and he, he finds a watch uh, lying on the path. He's walking with his friend, they pick up the watch and they, they open it up and they see inside, this, inside the watch the workings, the mechanics. There are wheels and cogs and, uh, and, and springs and all sorts of things that are, are in there that actually are needed for that uh, clock to, to run perfectly. Now, if I turn around and say to you, uh, that, you know, uh, well, I, I don't believe in a creation. I believe that that was, uh, you know, that, that, just, that just happened. You'd look at me a little at the sconce and say, this guy's lost his marbles. Uh, how can, can you look at the detail uh, of, of a watch design and see the springs and the balances and the cogs and, and say that this all happened by chance? You wouldn't accept that as an explanation. So there's a watchmaker somewhere that has made this watch. And so uh, that's really what, what uh, God's explanation is for those that haven't heard. Psalm 19 and verse 1 says this, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. So God will judge us by the knowledge that we have. You know, if all that the pygmy has ever heard uh, is what he sees in creation, then God, God will judge him by that. His, his judgment is going to be uh, relatively light because he has so little understanding. So his judgment will be, again, uh, this is where uh, we, we have a conscience as well. God will examine our conscience. And even the pygmy in Africa has a conscience. Yes, absolutely. And so, uh, so Romans 2.14, again, such a powerful couple of uh, chapters in, in the first couple of chapters in Romans. Indeed, when the Gentiles do not have the law, do by nature the things required by the law, they are a law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. Since they show the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness 
and their thoughts now accusing and now even defending them. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets. Hallelujah. Each of us has a conscience. And when we violate that conscience, we feel bad. We feel guilty. We feel condemned. Now, it is possible to, to be that kind of person who actually sears your conscience. If you don't listen and learn from your conscience, you can go on doing evil and, and, and keeping on more guilt and more condemnation. And eventually, if you don't, if you persist in that way around, you can sear your conscience. And as a result of that, there'll be no stopping you. But for most people, uh, they don't have a seared conscience. They, they, when they do something wrong, they feel guilty and they are inclined to do something right for them. So if we obey, uh, then our conscience will defend us. So if we do that which is right, our conscience is clear. So God will judge how we behave according to our conscience. For those that have heard absolutely nothing, that's how God will judge it. You can judge them by the light of revelation and judge them by their conscience. How many of you are getting some answers to share with your unsafe friends? Okay, we've got two of you. Oh, yeah, I'm in trouble. There's another group of people in the way that God judges. If they've heard the law of Moses, God will judge them by the law of Moses. Romans chapter 2, verse 12 again. For as many have sinned without the law shall also perish with. Again, that's referring to those I've never heard. And as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. If they've never heard anything, they'll be judged by what God has revealed to them and by their conscience. Uh, but if they're living under the Old Testament, they'll be judged by the law. Let me say to you, that's a dangerous place to live, isn't it? You know, because no man can really keep the law. The law was given to, to drive men to seek for a savior. To drive men to say, hey, I can't do this. I need help. And that's help. His name is Jesus. And so we see that, that this is what, what God wants us to do. Is uh, I've come to an understanding uh, that, that we'll be judged like that. So look at verse 13. It's also very interesting. It says, uh, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers shall be just. So the issue is not what you've heard. The issue is what you've done with what you've heard. You can know something and not do anything about it. If you know somebody is going to murder uh, some, somebody and you have all the facts and you do nothing about it, how many know and understand that you are, you are an associate to murder? You're guilty of murder as much as the person who commits the act. So... You live by the Old Testament, you're going to be judged by it. You need the Lord. Okay. Romans 3.10 says, no one can be justified by the law. That's to bring us to Christ. No one who's trying to serve God by following the law is going to be acceptable in God's sight. We need to come to Christ. We need to come to the Lord and understand what he wants to do. So if you live by the Old Testament, you'll be judged by the Old Testament. But the Old Testament leads us to Jesus, and so we put our faith and our trust in Him. Okay. Another thing that we've got to really understand when we're talking to the unsaved who are objective is this: that God will always show more to those who are hungry 
God will always give further insight of himself to those that are hungry. Do you remember Paul? He, he loved God in, in his own way. And he was out, he, he saw the church as a perversion. And so he was out persecuting the church, rounding up people and throwing them into jail. And he actually thought he was doing God a service. He loved the Lord, but he didn't really have much understanding. And so God uh, actually uh, uh, confronts him on the road to Damascus. Remember, he, uh, he suddenly sees a, a blinding light. And he says, so, so, why persecutest thou me? He said, who are you? He said, I'm, I'm Jesus, the one you persecute. And so uh, because Saul's heart was hungry to do the right thing. And even though he was doing the wrong thing, his desire was to serve God. And because of that, God comes down and has an encounter with Paul. And how many know that Paul was radically changed when, when he gets up from that encounter after coming to God, his whole life, his whole mission changed at that point. And he became one of the most successful apostles the world has ever seen, writing two-thirds of, of the New Testament and, and preaching the gospel all over the place. It's wonderful. Praise God. So, Paul was given more light. What about Cornelius? Cornelius was a Gentile, didn't know much about God, living in the land of Israel, but he was hungry. He would, he would give alms and, and you know, give gifts unto the Lord. His heart was to know more about God. And because he was seeking to know and understand God, God sends an angel to Cornelius' house, remember? And says, send to Joppa and, and call for one Simon, the Pe Simon Peter who's saying uh, at, at Simon the Tanner's house. And so because he had a heart to know and understand, um, God was able to reveal more of himself. And so he sent uh, for Peter and Peter came and preached the gospel and opened the door to the Gentiles. And we are the rich heritage of what has followed from that encounter, because one man, Cornelius, wanted to know more of God. Now the, the gospel came to the Gentiles. Isn't that exciting? You know, God has called us, called you and I, uh, who were strangers from the common, strangers from the Lord. Now we're in the part of God's presence. One last example, the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember, he's, right, he's riding along in his chariot, and he's reading the Bible, he's, and then you know, uh, he's like some of us, you know, we read something. Uh, what's that mean? Lord? I don't know what's going on here. And uh, Philip comes alongside and says, you know, here's him reading the Bible. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Uh, and, and he said, no, you know, how can I unless some man explain it to me? So he jumps up in, in the carriage and, uh, you know, he's, he discovers that he's reading Isaiah 53. And uh, he says, Who, who's the prophet speaking about? This man? Or, or, or himself, you know, himself or, or some other man. And from there, Philip is able to preach Jesus Christ to him. And so because he had a desire to know more about God, he was studying the scriptures, not getting very far. God sent him a man to, to put him onto a more perfect path. So again and again and again, we see God reaching out to those who have a heart for his, uh, for his truth. God reveals himself. To the seeker. I just want to say a little bit more about uh, the judgment of those that have never heard as we bring this to a close. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the, the world through him, uh, to, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever uh, 
and does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will come not into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Why does God reject good people? Good people go to hell. And that is the shocking news of the scriptures. Good people, moral people, religious people can end up in hell. And so we, we need to have a, have a look. Why is that so? Why does God allow that? Because in Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and each one of us has turned his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, upon Jesus, the iniquity of us all. We're all sinners. We've all broken and, and trashed God's commandments. We've all been rebellious and gone our own way and uh, committed high treason against God. We deserve to be punished. Romans 5 says, God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God. That's the message of hope that we can bring to a, a, a sinful and dying world. That Jesus paid the full price, not only for our sins that we currently do, but our sins that we committed way back in our past and the sins that we'll commit. The, God's wrath has been fully poured out on Jesus and we are now justified forever. Because of Jesus Christ. That's wonderful grace. We can walk in the covenant. We know that we are sanctified and justified by Jesus. Can you say amen? So, you know, these people, good people, often want their own way. You know, they they reject Jesus' sacrifice and God's plan of salvation. They reject the church, the prayer, all this blood stuff that we don't need that. In favor of their own moral code, they say, well, I don't lie, I don't cheat, I don't steal, I don't commit adultery, I don't watch porn. They have all these wonderful uh, standards of righteousness. But how many understand that the scriptures say that there is not one righteous? Our righteousness can never reach up to God. We can never make ourselves acceptable in God's eyesight. We are all sinners. We all need the Savior. And that's why many good moral and religious people are in hell today. I want to tell you the hardest people to save are good moral people. Yes, that's because they think, oh, why do I need all this? I don't do, I don't break the commandments as a result of it. They go their own way. Absolutely. It's the, it's the greatest sin is to go your own way yes, and say, oh, I, I don't need to read the Bible. I, I, I am a good person. That means there's their own way. That's right. And so none of us get into heaven without Jesus Christ. We all need his sacrifice. And it is a wonderful sacrifice. He forgives all our sins, past, present, and future. He says, I'm I'm going to restore you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide. And when you look at all the good things that God wants to do for us, we can celebrate and rejoice in the goodness of our God. And everyone said, God's good, great things. So no man comes unto the Father but by Jesus. No religious person, no spiritual person can come to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. Let's conclude now. Okay. God has done everything possible to prevent man from being judged. That's the most important thing to share. That God's judgments are impartial. They're based on truth. That God judges our deeds and our motives. He will judge us by the knowledge we have. And if we have known God, if we don't know God, uh, he'll judge us by our conscience. 
And if we're under the law, we'll be judged by the law. And if a person desires to know more of God, God will reveal himself to him. If we know about Jesus, he'll be judged and accepted or rejected by what they have done with Christ. But you know, this is such a glorious message of what Jesus done. He wants to bless us and love us and pour out his spirit. And so when, when we talk to people, you know, we, 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 don't, we don't need to, to give all this, but uh, I thought it would be handy for you to, to, to know and understand some of the things, the objections that people come up with and have possible answers for them. But the, the truth that we want to leave with them is that they knew Jesus, that God loves them, that he's a savior that wants to embrace everyone, even the most wild and the most wicked of sinners. I remember when that truth finally sunk into my spirit. I broke I, I was, I was a, a very violent person. I've shared some of, some of my, my past uh, with you. But when I suddenly realized that God loved even me, nobody else did, except my parents. They didn't count. <laughs> but you know, it seemed like nobody else in the world went. And when, when I suddenly realized God loved me, except me, my heart broke. And I wept and I wept and I felt like this huge weight had been lifted off my back. And I was, I was born again, and it was the most glorious experience. And, you know, we have that privilege of being able to share those truths with people around about us. We pass sinners every day in the marketplace, in the places of work, in our homes, uh, as we walk in the dog. The sheer Jesus. I want to encourage you, just pray and ask God for opportunities to share the gospel, and you'll be amazed at what I'm going to do. Shall we bow our heads in the word of prayer? Father, we just are so grateful to you for all the good things that you've done for us. Lord, how you've blessed us exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask for thank you, Jesus Christ. Lord, you've blessed us with wealth and prosperity, with healing and health and deliverance. And Lord, wisdom and guidance. Lord, there is so much that you have blessed us. We are grateful to you this morning that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We are grateful to you that you've called us out of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of your destiny. We are grateful to you, Lord, that you've saved ourselves. Help us, Lord, not to enter into heaven empty-handed. Help us, Lord, to be able to, to bring forth people that we've led to Christ. Lord, help us to be a witness uh, and to share the great love of God with people and to proclaim the gospel. And so, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I know it's been very different to the way we normally uh, go about the service, a very different kind of service this morning. But, um, Lord, I, I thank you for the truth in your word. We thank you for your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise God. It's just, uh, we're going to stand and sing that first song that we did, Jesus Christ. It's good, ain't it? Mm -hmm. 